Good morning, friends at Third Church. Happy to be with you today, sharing thoughts from God's Word from one of my personal holiest places in the world, the arms of my father's recliner. I am really, really looking forward to be back in the pulpit next Sunday at Third Presbyterian Church. At the beginning of his letter to the Philippians, Paul shares these words. The one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We book and rally week this morning. We started last week and we're concluding it today. And it is the beginning of a new program year here at Third Church. It has been hard to be quarantined, that's for sure, because I have not been able to be with you personally for all of the activities that you've shared this week. But I've been buoyed by the reports that have come back to me from staff and from so many members of the congregation with whom I have interacted uh, virtually this week. The next chapter of Third Church Life now begins with vigor. And I would like to say something today about our theme for this coming year, renewing church for a new world. Paul continues to guide our thinking this morning. He is now writing from Rome to the Philippian Christians before he was writing from Corinth to the Roman Christians. He is under some form of detention in Rome, probably house arrest. You can tell from his letter that he clearly loves the Philippian church. The letter is warm and compassionate and filled with joy. And in it, he teaches, yes, some really significant theological issues, but mostly he encourages the church in that place to persist with joy to face the challenges that are before them because they are bound to meet many challenges. And the more faithful the church becomes, the more the challenges grow. And in spite of that, Paul challenges and encourages them to find new purpose and new direction as the community expands. And to allow for the renewing of God's Spirit to be at work in their lives as they are recrafted with the gifts that they have to be the people and the community that God really needs them to be there in Philippi. Paul assures them that it won't be a rose garden, but it will be worth everything to them in the end. And he reminds them, as he reminds all of us, the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. A little fact check here. The Church of Jesus Christ has been renewing itself ever since that time. The PCUSA, you could make a pretty good argument, is a product of the largest renewal effort ever in the life of the church. That would be 
the Reformation that occurred in the 16th century in Europe. That movement, which lasted for, for several decades, changed the face of Christianity, even the face of the Roman Catholic Church, the body against whom so many folks like Luther and Calvin were protesting. Still, it is not the completion that Paul promotes. Sometimes we lose sight of that fact and, and we think, well, the 16th century was kind of the time when, when the church as it should be was established. No, it is always changing. A motto that came out of that time was Ecclesia Reformata Semper Reformanda. Not terribly good Latin, but the best I can do. Um, I'm better at Greek and Hebrew. And what does that mean? The Reformed Church, it's always reforming. A really large redirection in our life occurred in the 16th century. In effect, however, it was only the next step on the way to the eternity that God is laying out for us. You see, reformation and revival and renewal never stops. We humans live in one time and in one place, and we get really comfy with the status quo, don't we? It's a part of the human condition, that's for sure. But our individual and particular nows are only ever a brief stop on God's timeline. So, what we're proposing for this coming program year, 2020 and 2021, is nothing new. Even though we say we are renewing church for a new world, it's really nothing new. There are three types, at least three types, of renewal that I have led in the course of my career. The first one is kind of what I call a deliberate review in ordinary times. Everything's going along just fine. And the leaders of a church decide that it's time to review what's happening and maybe come up with some sort of strategic plan. And those oftentimes are very effective and important in the life of a church. And then, of course, as an interim pastor, I lead an expected assessment in a transition time, such as we are in now. I've done that. I lose track. 10, 11, 12 times along the way in my career. And then there's a third type, which I've always led, not quite as often, but I call it forced fancy footwork in a game-changing era. Do I have to make an argument about the fact that this is a game-changing era for us? Type two and three combine for third church this year. And our first response might be, yikes! However, are we going to handle this situation? On the one hand, it doubles at least the trouble we sense in our life. But let's not get stuck there. Because on the other hand, it opens doors and forces us to look at opportunities that we may not otherwise have considered. 
just, I'm sure, as the church in Philippi had to do. You know, as the old saying goes, necessity is the breeder of invention. We don't even have to like it one single bit. I would encourage you, however, to embrace it just the same. While we're embracing it, we cling to the truth Paul promotes in his letter to the Philippians. Never, we can make an argument that never is the word that we need to use here. Never has so much uncertainty greeted us? Perhaps so. Uncertainty, yes, along the way, but nothing like this. We and I have never done transitions this way before. We are improvising as we go along, all of us together. And one of the lessons that we've learned in our time of improvising is how creative we really, really are. Necessity has forced us and we have met the challenge. Session and staff and committees and volunteers have been added since the middle of March. And you all, many of you have already been involved, but you all will soon be drafted in the transition effort. A mission study team has been identified a little uh, more slowly than I normally like to do that, but it has been identified and it will soon dig into the tasks at hand. What is the purpose of a mission study team? Major purpose is to hear what you think and hope and dream and desire for the future of Third Presbyterian Church. The plan is still developing. Remember, I have never done it this way before learning quickly as we go along the way. Uncertainty haunts and overshadows our efforts, sometimes kind of gets us worn down along the way. And that's when I think we need to remember Paul's prisons word, prison words, because they still comfort and propel us along the way that God is challenging us and empowering us to continue. This is a new translation for this year. The one who began a good work among us in 1827 will walk with us this year and will bring our work to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And we need to own the now that God has given to us in that continuing effort. I love that promise. It's a promise that brings hope and comfort and inspiration to me, and I hope to you as well. Thanks be to God for this lesson from his holy word, and may we embrace it and take it to heart and put it to work in our lives together. Amen.